0: to my podcast i'm roland gent and the podcast is called do you remember we simply take a look at a certain year in each podcast and well uh, ask each other do you remember this do you remember that or what sort of a year was it uh, in this podcast I'm talking to Rob Halden. Rob is a writer for many comedians and TV shows and a very fine uh, and wonderful script writer. So I uh, got on the phone to Rob, it's a phone interview. Uh, there's been a certain virus around recently so we decided not to uh, not to go around each other's houses and uh, we had a look at the year 2010 or is it 2010? You decide. 2010, this is, this is now 10 years ago. Do you remember the year 2010? Do you remember any of it, or have vague memories seeped back once you've done a bit of research?
1: Yeah, I'm not the the kind of person that is able to... to, I don't know, is anyone able to do that? To cast their mind back to a particular year and go, oh yeah, I have a feel for that year, I I have a sense of that. Um, I mean, Jesus, we will with this year, right? I don't think we're going to have any trouble remembering 2020, but... um, No, but then it's when you... When you, as soon as you start to look things up, you go, God, that was really big in my life. I know where I was when that kind of was happening. I know, I remember that happening to me and being a part of it. So, yeah, although nothing kind of highfalutin when it comes to me. I mean, I remember,
2: yeah.
1: I, I think I, I, I mapped my life by the ebbs and flows of kind of movies and TV shows and, and, and music and things like that.
0: Oh gosh, so 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 do I. but. I think once I got past the year 2000 it, it, I just decided oh, I'll give it up, so I, I'm kind of doing this to jog my own mind as well. So the the first thing which, well, major major event, uh, do you remember the general election 2010?
1: Um, <sighs> I mean not unless you tell me the players. I mean, okay
0: then, well um, Gordon Brown uh, proved to be a rather uh, unpopular Prime yeah, Minister. Right. And uh, he uh, basically Tony Blair had handed him the baton of prime ministership. who was unelected, and it's there you go. Oh, there's a financial crash on the way. You deal with that one, Gordon. I'm out of here. And so th- this is the deal, isn't it? The, the alleged
2: deal that took place um, when the, with the leadership issue between the two of them.
0: Yeah.
1: The, the deal was allegedly that, that Brown would be chancellor for one term, I think, or maybe two, uh, something in that yeah. region, and then. It would be Gordon's turn to take over uh, and to try and move the party back to the core,
2: mm-hmm. and that seemed to be uh, nothing but absolute lies from Tony
1: Blair's side. Well, he, he had power, he
0: gave him the premiership, but uh, so it gave him the shitty the end of the stick, I think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, and, but, and then Gordon, Gordon was, didn't. He, I mean, he had. He's kind of more of an old school politician. Um,
2: He's not. He's not he's someone not who's made for television and 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 kind of being. You know, he is the
1: antithesis of David Cameron. David Cameron is Blair part two, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, and, and Brown was just not not like not in that likable. Not that not the, the Cameron's likable. He's not a guy built for television. He's not a guy built for prime minister's questions. He's not in front of cameras. He's not built for that. Is he?
3: I said I would do all that I could to ensure a strong, stable and principled government was formed, able to tackle Britain's economic and political challenges effectively. My constitutional duty is to make sure that a government can be formed following last Thursday's general election. I've informed the Queen's private secretary that it's my intention to tender my resignation to the Queen. In the event that the Queen accepts, I shall advise her to invite the leader of the opposition to seek to form a government. I wish the next Prime Minister well, as he makes the important choices for the future. Only those who have held the office of Prime Minister can understand the full weight of its responsibilities and its great capacity for good. I have been privileged to learn much about the very best in human nature, and a fair amount too about its frailties, including my own. Above all, it was a privilege to serve. And yes, I loved the job, Not for its prestige, its titles and its ceremony, which I do not love at all. No, I loved the job for its potential to make this country I love fairer, more tolerant, more green, more democratic, more prosperous and more just. Truly a greater Britain. In the face of many challenges in a very few short years, challenges up to and including the global financial meltdown, I have always strived to serve, to do my best in the interests of Britain, its values, and its people. And let me add one thing also, I will always admire the courage I have seen in our armed forces. And now that the political season is over, let me stress that having shaken their hands and looked into their eyes, our troops represent all that is best in our country. And I will never forget all those who have died in honor and whose families today live in grief. My resignation as leader of the Labour Party will take effect immediately. And in this hour, I want to thank all my colleagues, ministers, members of parliament. And I want to thank above all my staff, who have been friends as well as brilliant servants of the country. And the
0: the thing is, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, in that there was a sort of, this is the the identikit leader which a party must have. So you had um, Tony Blair won three elections undone before, such as, such as Labour had never done before, had a little word with God and uh, decided to have a war in Iraq, uh, which wasn't overly popular. Uh, and one or two people said he was a bit naughty on, on changing a dossier or two, saying that Saddam had millions of weapons he could hit us all with. And, uh, you know, once he managed to, to bluff that out, gives the baton to Gordon Brown, who's yeah very old school. He's basically he's a, he's a stats man, not a showman. Uh,
1: yeah, it, it, it's almost—it's almost fascinating. He ever thought he should have that role? Like, to, to he looks himself in the mirror. This this accountant, whose yeah. surname is Brown, and he says, "Yeah, I'm I'm the rock star. I'm the front man of this group. That's—I'm <laughs> not just the drummer. Yeah, I'm not just the gnarled drummer in the back. No, man, I am the front man. I am the front man that this band needs.
0: Yeah." And then he obviously loses the election. I mean, uh, Labour went down by six points. Conservatives went up by twelve, and that's all you needed to to change the uh, the winning margin. But it, obviously, David Cameron had to have a coalition uh, with uh, with Nick Clegg, who was uh, basically another identikit politician, <laughs> come out of the same mould. I mean, uh, and then. They were stood there, you know, and Cameron's there giving it... In what, the garden.
1: What In a the wonderful...
0: Yeah, you see, yeah. you remember now. You remember I the see. speeches and how, how we could do this great thing together. You know, we could lead it together. And then um, day one, uh, they, they get this uh, tuition fees thing. And the Lib Dems have to go along with the Conservatives.
4: On the steps of Downing Street yesterday evening, I said that Nick and I wanted to put aside party differences and work together in the national interest. Since I set out that aim, both our parties have given their full backing to our coalition agreement, a Liberal Democrat, Conservative government that we have negotiated. This is the first coalition government in Britain for 65 years. It will be an administration united behind three key principles. Freedom, fairness and responsibility. What
1: I, what I most remember, <laughs> again, uh, this is going to be um, a common thing that happens with me, uh, is that I will bring it all back to to pop culture. What I mainly remember is how this massively affected the thick of it, which was one of my favourite shows. Oh yeah, yeah, it, and it really kicked into because there was the, the issue they had before was that oh, what is his name,
0: Chris Addison no
1: no the one that had to Do- stop
0: um Dr. Uh, uh, chris langham oh God! So chris yeah. langham had been the focus really and, and obviously peter capaldi
1: but chris langham was kind of the the your your view into it you know you're every man yeah peter capaldi is the dynamic antagonist who comes in and, and messes stuff up and, and all of that but but langham was the guy you follow and then of course he had to stop because of all these. Um, accessing inappropriate pictures allegations, which he got convicted for, and then they came back with a so tools. Just, just say it was a
0: pedo. Just just say he's a convicted paedophile. Well, I
1: mean, I, I, you know what we've not talked about? Can we can we drop uh, swear bombs on here? And can we?
0: Oh, lie it's and a, slander. It's, it's a podcast. Uh, but if you are convicted of something, then that is what you are <laughs> in, in the um, eyes of the law.
1: So so when that happened, it, when they when Chris Langdon got dropped. Um, Quite rightly, of course. It, it also coincided with the political makeup altering to the point that suddenly all these different players come in, and, and you, you get Rebecca Front more, um, and, and you get a higher role for Jeffrey Stedfield, and, and you get you get a lot of these kind of things coming up. And it just made it a really one. It really retooled itself from from the coalition coalition era.
0: All oh, right. Okay. Hang on. I've just. I've just. Um wikipedia Chris Langham, uh, and he was on the. Is first, he a He was on the first series of Not the Nine O'Clock News. You know. Uh, gosh, was, really? Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, August uh, two thousand and seven, uh, before two thousand and ten, found guilty of fifteen charges of downloading and possessing level five child pornography. He was jailed, jailed for ten ah, level months. Level
1: five. I, I didn't. Yeah, isn't it just when you hear some of these? Oh, he's, he's only a level one. He's only
0: level one uh, image. set <laughs> yeah. off with a warning. Uh, well, I, uh, well, I have no idea on the levels of child pornography.
1: Right, uh, no, but the fact that they got to level f- level five is not a good level, is it? It's not
0: a you know. No. It, do you think it starts at level five and goes up to? Le- I, don't know. I don't. I don't
1: think it's like the Defcom. You know, Defcom one is the worst, rather than ah. CON five. Oh, I don't
0: right. think it's like that. Okay, he got ten months reduced to six on appeal, and was made to sign the sex offenders offenders register and banned from working with children for ten years, and probably uh, banned from working on TV as well. As I thought. Uh, so that that was a bit before it, but um, I mean, it, you know, it must have mirrored very much what was going on in in the uh, in politics, because the, the, you know, suddenly it it appeared sort of a bit tame almost, you know, because politics just started to change.
1: I think that's always the way isn't it, um, and, and some of the issues that, that things like um, the day-to-day and Brass Eye you know come up against is, is, is there anything, can you parody it? Um, and you certainly you don't see so much parody anymore.
2: And the BAFTA the Situation Comedy goes to, The Thick of It.
4: <laughs> thank you very much, I'd like to thank after the BBC, BBC Comedy Department for sticking with us through thick and thin. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Nick Clegg for completely destroying our plans for the next series. Because um, the plan had been for the series to go on and on for many series, then the final episode. All the characters wake up and uh, discover in fact the Liberal Democrats. Um, that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> And I'd like to thank particularly, there's a whole bunch of people, writers, cast, it's a whole uh, sort of group effort, the thick of it, but it, it only really works if there's one person who can drive it very effectively and unabashedly and unflappably. So I'd really, really like to thank our producer who normally just stands behind me there like a Toastmaster at a wedding, uh, Adam Tandy. Without Adam, the thing of it would not happen. But but you do Adam.
1: see things like um, from this point on forward the daily show starts to really ramp up and it's the attention it gets and the views it gets. This is around the time that, you know, spin-offs from it, like the Colbert Report, get very popular. Yeah. This is around the time that the, the, the American um, nightly shows kind of start really going um, mm-hmm. going for it on a daily basis. And and then you get where we are today, where what is popular is, again, the daily show. And, and also things like um, This Week Tonight with John Oliver, where they're not, they're not doing the parody, are they? Because it's almost beyond parody. But the comedy comes from the commentary.
0: Yeah, it's it's the it's essential. Oh, it it's the central character of the thing has to do the monologue, and it's just like the the humour is served up on a plate. You know, it's almost yeah. like you know Donald Trump is is the um, the Generation Game conveyor belt of, of bad taste yeah. humour, as it just comes along with everything he said that week. It's just just this week's menu of tripe, you know. And uh, I suppose that's how politics has changed and people. You know, Gordon Brown did the decent thing, lost the election, resigned. And then you kind of got this change moment in that uh, the Lib Dems were stabbed in the back on day one by the Tories and grimly held on. Um, You know, I remember when a politician did something wrong and said, jolly, we'll have to resign now. I've I've made a statement in the House, which was slightly incorrect. These days, it's just bullshit.
1: you carry on well there's no abject truth anymore because it's been retooled that there is just matters of opinion really and there is no the silver bullet of, of journalism exposing um, inaccuracies is um, is gone
0: yeah don't, don't I know it I'm a qualified journalist you know <laughs> you, write, yeah. you write something about somebody and they just go so what <laughs> you know? yeah fake, yeah. fake news Donald Trump's answer to everything that's where we've gone <laughs> you know uh, hey ho Anyway, um enough about politics. Don't know if you know about sport, I know you're big into wrestling, but it was a World Cup year, twenty ten. do you remember where it was held?
1: Mate. Yeah. <laughs> I really hope you haven't got a big section on this, because yeah. you, you <laughs> could have filled it with a mannequin dummy. No, I have no idea where,
0: well, it, was, the world where it
1: was. Let the, me let me let me let me try. Oh just before. Oh gosh. No, I haven't. Okay. Is, it, is it America? It was no, South, Africa.
0: No idea. South Africa. South
1: Africa. I always thought it was before the African
0: one, but no. Okay. No, this, is, this is like um, how, how your mind plays tricks on you. It got to be in South Africa, and one or two people suggested it might be because the uh, South African Football Association paid massive bribes to members well, of FIFA. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh,
2: it,
1: it, it, It's difficult for me. I, I'm, a, I'm a, big, uh, as a big wrestling fan. Uh, as you said at a losing a minute ago the WWF as people might know it WWE is the big one and only player in that and it is just dreadful in the way that it it kind of practices its business um, and and some of the ways it treats its staff and things and I look at that and sometimes feel bad about patronising it and then I think about all my friends who keep throwing money at the FA who are just a bigger mafia? There is not on the face.
2: Maybe the rail companies um, throughout Europe, but gee, I mean, the
1: FA is just an absolute criminal organisation, is it not?
0: Well, I, I wouldn't like to put that on record, but um, that's, that's FIFA. The FIFA is the uh, sorry, yeah, not the
1: FA. That's the, I always do that, and I always get called up on it by Mr. Paul Savage. Yeah, so, yes, yes. FIFA is a. Yeah. is a not-so-subtle
0: mafia. Yeah, well, you know, it was it was run... You, you have a, a chap who's running it, and it, and uh, what happens is all of the countries in the world who are in FIFA get an equal vote. So, therefore, a country like, um, you know, Germany has won the World Cup five times, or Brazil has won the World Cup five or six times, they have an equal vote with, um, you know, Andorra. <laughs> so all, all the head of FIFA has to do is to get uh, all the little countries to vote for him by potentially uh, slinging some money their way. And uh, he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and FIFA did actually get raided in the end, uh, which was-, was Yes, fun. I
1: remember the shots of that on, on, on television and the, the members coming out with again co- coats over their heads yeah. like the criminals they are.
0: And it's Mr. Mr Blatter who was, um, just basically made himself life president forever and uh, finally they, they uh, you know he still didn't admit it uh, currently serving a six-year ban <coughs> from participating in fifa activities No. and uh, <laughs> naughty mr Black. Do,
1: do we know who do we know do we know the movie the Sepp blatter movie that came out
0: uh, is the one <laughs> Has it yeah
1: been... tim tim roth plays Sepp blatter oh, in what? united passions it's called
0: oh wow right it is
1: the uh, it's a drama about the origins of how 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 FIFA all came about. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. We've got set blast of the movie here. Sam
1: Neill's in it, of course.
0: Uh, got got one star according to something or other that I'm looking at here. But
1: it, yeah. it's just it is the um, epitome of uh, it's a masturbation piece for the you know it is funded entirely by the people that it is wanking off.
0: Oh, um, I get you. I get you.
1: Yeah, it is just it is like filming yourself having a wank in front of the mirror and then charging people to watch it and Isn't no one else likes it and you're like why don't you like it i thought it was great yeah
0: and uh, you know there there is so basically you know if you if you have i don't know how many countries or two, 200 odd countries in the world and they all have an equal vote uh they can bribe you and then you you say we're all in this together as fifa and of course then then we have the uh, the one in qatar which is coming up <laughs> which, yeah, uh, if, you, in which if, if
1: you thought somewhere uh less uh, less cap- you know less real, well suited to uh
0: long game, athletic games than
1: yeah. south south africa it really is guitar is not it
0: well yeah if, you, if um if you run for 90 minutes in that sort of heat without uh, any hydration you die so it's you know a slight downside for most players but hey they're getting paid no right so that was the world cup england managed to um, draw against the united states and um somebody somebody else oh we, we played um slovenia and uh, algeria and managed to win one match got through to the next round and lost 4-1 against germany so
1: I watched the one we lost
0: in which uh, frank Lampard's shot hit the underside of the bar and went in but we never got the goal and the other the other part of it was that Germany kicked the ball straight down the middle of the pitch and just ran after it and scored like a Sunday league goals against England. <laughs> Closer, well, scored a lot of international goals but probably none quite as... You can look at every
4: single goal we've conceded a day and you, you're scratching your head as if to say goodness me how poor was our defender, I mean that ball has travelled from their six yard line from to 10 yards from
1: our goal and no one has touched it and defensively and they, I mean it's just so so poor you can't defend just, it's so bad you don't, you're you lost for words it's that bad you wouldn't see that on a Sunday morning under 10 game it's that bad I'll bet you've never ever seen it before at
0: this level and I don't think you'll ever see it again <laughs> uh, they had actually done their homework uh, in which they uh, decided that every time John Terry the England centre-back passed the ball out of defence that was a good pass, but his uh, his centre back partner Matthew Upson. Every time he passed the ball, it was usually a kick in the air and a bad pass. So they just marked John Terry and let Upson have the ball, and England's attacks went nowhere. We only discovered this after the tournament, in which the Germans had done like homework and looked at matches. Which is bloody!
2: I Germans. mean, that that's
1: that's you. <laughs> I mean, that you say that like that's not a, a thing that professional athletes should be doing all the time.
0: Well, you know, England haven't really sort of thought that this is a gentlemanly thing to do. You know, you, you can't, <laughs> what,
1: what research.
0: You can't go looking at what the other side does and analysing it. Oh,
1: is, is, that, is that genuinely kind of the attitude and the, the way it's no, the way think, it's thought I
0: think, of? I think we've, I think we've come on a bit since then. But uh, At the
1: time though, in 2010, it wasn't. What was it a thing? In the, where English supporters going, oh bloody! Hell, I can't believe they're doing that, watching our games, yeah, learning."
0: Yeah, yeah, I I think we Germany were crap as well, but uh, we hadn't done our homework on them. But they just got some university students to watch all of England's games and surmise that our best player passed the ball quite well, whereas the out-and-out stopper donkey next to him didn't. So we just press up on the good guy, let let him pass the ball to the bad guy, and then they just boot it in the air and lose it. (laughs) <laughs> Gary Linnicka, did, this, this, this is this Gary Lenica's fault? Is he
1: spouting this off on the air and they're listening?
0: No, no, it, it was just it, it came to light afterwards. Uh-huh. The, the press asked the Germans how they won. and Well, our our stats told us this. And then, oh, So it's kind of like uh, the World Cup version of Moneyball. They, they
1: moneyballed it. They they put the mathematicians to work and they analysed the stats.
0: Yeah, I know they are absolutely dreadful like that. <laughs> but but you know once again at a World Cup England's players looked knackered, played at altitude and were crap. Anyway, uh, so in, in, enough about football. We, we had the Winter Olympics, which I paid no attention to whatsoever in 2010, and also the, the Commonwealth Games. Can you can you guess which country the Commonwealth Games were held in? No, and Canada. No idea. India.
1: India. There you go.
0: Uh, and then it was it was one of those. Um, why do the rich countries always hold the commonwealth games and um the, the is it like
1: eurovision where the win- winner stays on
0: And uh, no i, I think they, oh, they they sort of have to dish it around eventually but it usually comes around to um you know england scotland canada australia <coughs> that's kind of it and um the um the reason was that the hotels were absolutely awful apparently <laughs> You know, you, you had, you had top-class athletes going to hotels which were just like, "Oh my God, what's this?" So this,
1: that was the first occurrence of that. It would go on to be a bit of a theme, wouldn't it? With, yeah. Especially with um, what was the Olympics that happened at recently? The, the last Olympics where, um, oh. where the Olympic Village was not finished.
0: Oh God, you're asking, you're asking me questions now, about The last Olympics. What year? Well, was-
1: um- I, I have no idea, but I'm, the last Olympic news story I can remember is that the
0: Olympic um, oh in the Brazil villages, yeah, they were not finished. The
1: stadiums, half the, the stadiums were specially built, and that was a big issue. But also the um, the Olympic villages were not finished, and the they were training in in, uh, in in dreadful conditions.
0: Oh yeah, but but the,
1: th- yeah. The, the first time, the first time, and not that this was the same, of course. But the India Indian hotel rooms being dreadful is. Was like the first time that something like that came about about major major sporting um, competitions, and we first time we were hearing about it.
0: Yeah, and uh, pe- people uh, getting the trots, <laughs> running to the loo faster than on the pitch. But uh, no, it, it is one of those things where, whereby, um, yeah, Brazil was, had the World Cup one time, and then they got the Olympics, and, and uh, normally the story is before every Olympics, the stadium's not been built. They're going to run out of money. <laughs> they have not quite built the facilities, and they always seem to. Do it in the end, but well, this yeah. time it just went. Oh, no, it was, <laughs> no, it was a dump. <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, moving on. Seeing as you appear to be a huge movie fan, films of 2010. Let, let's see what you remember of these. Okay, if if you, uh, I've got a favourite from from this little list I've made. Um, first one, The Fighter. Marky Wahlberg and Christian Bale. Yeah, I. I, I have, a, have a, a bit of a dislike
1: for both those guys. Uh. <laughs> and, and boxing movies go one or two ways, don't they, really? Um, there's an awful lot of... I think it's very hard to watch a modern boxing movie post-Fight Club and not see it as an awful lot of this um, kind of toxic posturing. This was... this was there, was, there was some good stuff going on in there. A lot of what the Academy seems to think is good acting... I think is just kind of melodrama with an accent, um, and this seems to be a lot of that, really. Um, but yeah, it wasn't terrible. No, it wasn't as good as the. Um, uh, what's the one with the? See, I'm not a big Russell Crowe fan, but the one about the, the movie he made as the the kind of um, depression era boxer that was really really good. Oh, really? This one was a little, a little yeah. What? It's he's it's so he's Christian
0: Bale is such an odd individual. I don't know if he's giving a good performance. I can't tell. All oh, right, okay, <laughs> right. What well, you? I I, I kind of liked it. I mean, obviously, Raging Bull is the best uh, ever boxing movie, and, and that's. That's it. not true. That's not true.
1: There are three Rocky films that are better
0: than Raging Bull. Oh, which one? Rocky Five.
1: The first three. The first three Rocky films are brilliant.
0: I, I I'll give you the first one, but no,
1: I... the second one's better. Anyway, that is not 2010.
0: <laughs> no, no, what, what, why is the second one of a, a, a Rocky better than the first? Because,
1: so, the, the, the Rocky movie is the classic kind of Cinderella-y, right like to not-quite-Rich's story, right, where the underdog does the thing and then yeah. eventually does this amazing moment that changes her life. And Rocky 2 picks up straight after that and his life has gone back to being shit because <laughs> he is an uneducated, he can't read or write, that's stressed in it, He's not. He's got brain damage, so he can't fight ever again. So it's he, he, like one of these guys that wins X Factor, has a hit single, and is then back working in Wilco's like five months later. Everyone knows him, so his life gets worse. He spends all the money on, on a sports car that he doesn't need and all this kind of shit, and his life goes back to being terrible. And I, I just love that. Like I'd love to see a, a you know Cinderella that, that you know one month in the relationships falling apart and they didn't know each other and I, I think that's just a really, really interesting and it feels quite unique. I don't know how many other kind of attempts at didn't have done it. So yeah, I, I love the idea that the what you think is so glorious and wonderful, that shine moment in the first Rocky film, it's just kind of like a blip and in the second one it's like it's not really got any better.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah, but the, don't you get the same in *Raging Bull* where you know he's, he's reduced to trying to sell his belts and he makes a mistake and he's uh, you know, yeah, but it's
1: it, it's because because it's not uh, it, it's not purporting to be a kind of a Cinderella story. It's a, it's a, a very gritty biopic. So I don't think it.
0: Yeah. Really, don't get me wrong. I, I love *Raging Bull*. It's a really good film. Okay, uh, but don't don't you get the idea that kind of the uh, uh, to me all the Stallone stuff in the eighties kind of got taken over by the Reagan people and it was everything seemed to be a symbol for right-wing Reaganism almost you know Rocky, the, the, Rocky became the, the, the Rambo whole, the became Reagan one, yes
1: the fourth one yes yeah I think the third one is, is is still glorious but I would it's got it's got
2: Mr C and Hulk Hogan in it I mean it's very hard for me not to love that movie okay um,
1: <laughs> and uh, yeah I but 2010 was a tra- fantastic year for movies so. though
0: okay right so, so back to 2010 a fantastic year for movies. Uh, the King's Speech. How about that?
1: I I, I had it, there was so much going on. There were so many great films that came out that year that I I wanted desperately to go to the cinema to see and did, and that was not one of them. Like I I, I, I didn't doubt from seeing the hype about it that it was going to be a good film and an entertaining film.
2: My husband has seen everyone. Insert them
3: into your mouth. The world of He hasn't seen me. I can cure your husband, but I need total trust. What was your earliest memory?
4: I'm not here to discuss personal matters.
3: Why are you here then?
4: Because I bloody well stammer!
3: Do you know any jokes?
4: I speak, I speak for them, but I can't speak.
3: You could do it. You needn't be governed by fear.
4: It would be like mad King George the Stammer. Get up! You can't sit there! Get up! Why not? It's a chair. That is... That is St. Edward's chair. People have that, carved their names. Listen up. to me! Listen to me! Why should I waste my time listening to Because I have a voice!
1: It just wasn't, I've got to go to a cinema to see that. It was, ah, I'm going to catch that on TV. And they did, and I enjoyed it. I, I, you know, it was it was, it was fine. It was, it was very much, to me, a, a kind of a
2: Sunday evening mm-hmm. on the telly movie. Yeah. Does that make
0: sense? It, it with, wasn't like... With swearing. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like, oh, well,
1: I'm sorry, Iron Man 2, you've got to take a back seat this week. I need to see uh, a very rich man who can't always talk perfectly.
0: Yeah, but uh, the, the, I, I really liked it. And, and it, it was, it's it's nice to see a British film do well, and it's nice to, to kind of get away from the rom-com. But there's
1: no, but there's no doubt, I mean, if, you, if, there's, if it's a British movie with... If it's a British period film and it is about uh, royalty, Americans will drop to their knees
0: and lap it up with their tongues off the floor. Right. I didn't think there was any doubt it was going
2: to do tremendously well,
0: is there? Yeah, yeah, uh, but I mean, you can make a bad film if you try, but, uh, you know... <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, when well, you've got that cast and that kind of production value, you know, I
2: think, yeah. it's a, I think you can look at the front cover and it's a given it's going to pick up some
1: awards
0: yeah but it, it was it was slagged off for the swearing it's just like that's the integral part of it you know he, he, he managed to overcome whatever by being jolly british and say rude words which <laughs> tickles my <laughs> sense of humor you know? uh yeah so that i, I like the king's speech other ones you mentioned iron man 2 what what's it because yeah. i've oh this is this is me i've only just really got into all the marvel and superhero stuff because we've got two kids who are mad on it and I didn't read these comics when I was a kid I read the Dandy and the Beano and the Topper you know and this this was like The um, Topper that sounded like the filthiest
1: comic
0: imaginable The Topper yeah Wizard and Chips all sorts <laughs> was,
1: was there a bottom
0: comic as well No no no, no together oh, at the same oh I time. get where you're going uh, Yeah <laughs> But no but the, you know I, I sort of the comics that I read were sort of biz comic. people obviously read them and just you know, extrapolated that into auto film. But, um, you know, I I, I...
1: I, I I had a really unique kind of, um, not, well, not necessarily unique, but it was, it was very interesting. Uh, I was taught to read with comic books. Because ah. uh, I looked at superheroes and, and kind of action and stuff. My, my parents would buy a buy comic, they so would photocopy it, and my dad would tip X out the word balloons and write in simple things I could say. Right, So that's how I was taught to read. It is ingrained in every aspect of my DNA. And I also, at a very young age, my dad got his old comics from the 60s out of my nan and granddad's attic. So I grew up reading the original British print of the 1960s Iron Man stories. I grew up with Iron Man, it's one of the first I read this. Which is very weird because I'm a child in the 80s reading about it's weird, you know, all the lingo doesn't work. It's hep cat and it's swing and it's, you know, it's all this '60s lingo, and it's about a war I've never heard of in, in Vietnam and all that kind of uh, kind of mm-hmm. to it. But yeah, it, it, it was. I'm um, I, I, a very, very kind of with a part of my childhood. This is the third of the Marvel movies, and as it, it, a lifelong, I was I was 27 when when the well i was around 25 26 when when they marvel movies first came out it was incredible to see it done so well because i'd lived through the shit once i had lived through the direct to vhs addictions that had been just horrible yeah to see it treated like i knew it could and should be treated like a, like something you should put a bit of effort into um was fantastic that man two. Um, was was really great for me because it kind of opened up the world a little bit more. So we, we had the Iron Man film and that was, wow, she's done well for the first time. We had the Hulk movie, which I loved, I, I watched just a night ago. I think that came out um, the same year as, as the third man film. That was weird, it came out one after the other. This one, not only did we get Iron Man, but we start to get more of, we get uh, the Black Widow, Another character from the 60s would get War Machine, a character from the 70s, appear in it. And it starts to be, for me, that the Marvel Universe, which went on to make billions, but at the time, no one thought, it, you know, it would be able to do that. We started to see more of this interconnected narrative and these characters interplay with each other.
3: And for the first time since 1974, the best and brightest men and women of nations and corporations the world over will pool their resources, share their collective vision to leave behind a brighter future. It's not about us. Therefore, what I'm saying—if I'm saying anything—is welcome back to the Stark Expo. Yeah,
0: I, I mean, I've only because I, I thought, oh, this is kid stuff. I'm, I'm ignoring it, but I, I get the fact now that there's there's all there's so many sort of nuances, and this, this character comes out of that film and. There's always that yeah. five minutes at the end where, hold on after the credits, what's going to happen next, all that sort of thing. So which I... was the
1: most glorious thing about reading? Marvel pretty much invented that. DC didn't do it. You know, you had your Batman comic, with your Batman comic, and they would occasionally have these 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 little team ups. But Marvel in the sixties, because it was predominantly one writer um, for a large part of the major stuff, the Stan Lee, they weaved this 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 web
0: uh, part of the upon of it, all, all the cats living in each other's pockets, lives and interacting with each other. Yeah, and he, he normally makes a cameo appearance, or, or did, in, in these films, isn't he? Yeah,
3: bless
0: him. Uh, so there you go. It was Robert Downey Jr. And th- this was uh, something of a... W- was this the second Iron Man that he did? Yeah, he's in the first one. Yeah, because this was some, something of a comeback for him because it was like the... You know, it was just a, a complete drug addict. To everybody, expected to die quite soon, wasn't
1: he? I think he'd um, he'd, he'd uh, moved, moved past uh, his his uh, recovery, yeah. and weirdly had done things like considering the level of star he was before his his addiction really took hold, or, or before he had to go into recovery, right? Was, you know, Jacqueline. he 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 was a, a he was a name. He really was a big name. And then on the other side of it who's going to take the risk on him. He had like a, I remember him having a, he became a, an actor in Ali McBeal. That was like yeah. his thing that he did, right out of recovery. Um, and so the Marvel movies put him at the front, front and center of proper action blockbusters, that they didn't know were going to be. They had no idea that it would become, a uh, chain cinema. Kind of forever, basically. But at the time, to put him front and center was a risk on their part and, and a huge kind of return for him, you know, massively. When you think of the money
0: he's been able to go on and make, in the career he's been able to have since. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. And the the thing is, it, um, do you think it's the it's the CGI and the special effects that made or allowed these films to really, you know, blossom, as it were? Because previously. You, you would have superhero films like Superman and it would be quite obvious that he was against, against a green screen or whatever. I, I have to disagree. I have to disagree. And here's why. Uh,
2: if that were true, no science fiction movie ever made would ever have been
1: successful. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. it, it, if, if, the, if the effects aren't there, then Star Wars looks terrible and no one enjoys it. Terminator looks terrible and no one enjoys it. It is, it is the attention and it's the script and it's doing it and treating it in, in the way that we know, this is a great story. Um, the, the Superman, Superman movies had the best effects for the time, and and the director the VHS, the crappy ones that that you know, some little you know, in a car park makes sure.
0: But that's the big, that's just part of their problem. They haven't got the budget for good effects. Okay. Radio No because I, I sort of showed Star Wars to my kids and it's like look this isn't CGI that's like an elephant in a big wig or a big <laughs> a tent and that, they're, they're actual puppets that people had to make and they're just like yeah whatever dad. <laughs> so because I, I kind of like that that pe- people would go, go to the bother of, of you know making puppets or t- actually dressing up elephants in a costume in order to look like something else. I, I kind of like that.
1: Oh, I agree. That's what I love most about the the modern, um, kind of, Star Wars, you know, the new, new, new new ones, where they've done a return to creature effects and costumes, Mm. uh, because I don't think anything looks better than that. I really don't.
0: Okay. Well, that's cool. Now, so, uh, a couple more films. Gosh. uh, Now, how about Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows? Ever heard of that one?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I... I had
0: seen... I'd, I believe I had... It's the seventh... Seen, seventh one! Seen... seen them all. all right, sorry? It was the seventh one. Because you see, yeah. the thing is, I've seen them all, or I had seen them all, but not all in the same order, or I'd seen half of this one and a quarter of that one, because my kids would just watch them insanely. I'd just come <laughs> in and they'd be like, shut up, Dad, and I'd be like, oh, which one's this? And they're like, it's the fourth one, you idiot, and I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, so it all became a bit tangled in my mind. I worked in a cinema at the start of uh, the Harry
2: Potter stuff. I think I wasn't around for the first one. In the, I wasn't around for the first one, maybe. I was around for the, the
1: second, third, uh, maybe the fourth. Um, and I was out by the time this one came around. Um, and I enjoyed these films more as they went on and as the actors became older, and as the subject matter becomes more... What the, the staggering thing about these books that this incredible writer composed
2: is that the tone and the seriousness of the adventures grows with the
1: age of the characters, um, which is just, I, I don't know how she was able to put that much kind of work and effort in and, and pace it the way she did. Perhaps it, was, perhaps it was the fact that she kind of like was doing it bit by bit and she's getting older and she knows the audience is getting older. But I enjoyed the later ones a lot more because they felt a lot more like the kind of fantasy um, that I like to watch the cinema. Um, and I, I really enjoyed things like The Deathly Hallows for me. They yeah, started to get a bit more towards, well, you know the end is inside, you know something big is brewing.
0: Yeah, and uh, oh, Alan Rickman, oh he's gone. <laughs> you know, I was just Yeah, yeah. About. Oh John Hurt, he was in it as well. Just looking through the cast, but have you been to the um, the place in in Watford where the uh, uh, and the Harry Potter sort of theme park place? No,
2: I'm not,
1: I'm not. I'm not that kind of. I'm not that kind of person. Like, and I, and I after watching the movies, I went and read the books, and I adore them um, and, and appreciate how wonderful they are. Even though I saw the films, first. I didn't love all the films, but I think I pretty much love all the books. But no, I, I'm not that kind of a, a fan. I don't think I would do that kind of thing. Oh. I mean, I
2: would perhaps take, you know, a niece or a nephew. Oh, worth And it. I'm sure I'd have a really good time when I was there, but I, I don't think I'd do it
0: myself. I, I think it's it's worth it just for the details, you know, of the fact that all the newspapers, you know, the newspapers got the, the sort of faces that come alive and all that. that people actually went to the trouble of, of making them and they're on, they're yeah. on display. Uh, you know, and the the crooked street well, I've forgotten what it's called but well, that's there and you can walk up that and you, it's just the attention to detail that they went to in making the whole thing um, and I really enjoyed that and I just thought, yeah, you know, these people really enjoyed doing this so it is a fun day out So, but anyway, that was the third highest grossing film the second one was Alice in Wonderland and the top one was Toy Story 3 any comments about those from ten years ago, do you recall them? Uh
1: I remember Toy Story 3 being pretty good We've been good really considering the first two as well Alice in Wonderland I didn't think was good at all I, I really felt that Burton is just I don't know what he's doing anymore but I, I really yeah they were nowhere near my I mean this is a a absolutely staggering year for movies oh yeah um True Grit one
2: of my one of my favourites um this, even 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 the new version of Black Swan, yeah, um, one one of my real favourites. Um, and you know, I think I've like got the 27 Hours, which is incredible. Scott, I mean, Scott Pilgrim vs the World might be my
1: favourite film of, the, of this year because it's one of my favourite films of all time. Um, but also, E V A came out this year with um, Emma Stone, and I think that is a really, really massively overlooked um, fun
0: comedy and. and it was. It's an incredible, a really, really great year for um, for movies. But that does mean you've got some odd stuff in there as well. But yeah, oh, there's there's some bit of something for everybody there. So good, good year for the movies. Um, not a great year for for, for the football. But um, music-wise, you've been saying you're, you're a big fan of all sorts of music. Uh, well, no, not not really. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but I kind of monitored the, the the year kind of ebbs and flows with what's happening in, in
1: you know that's what makes it into the stories, isn't it? Yeah, uh, the pop, pop news stories come from, I guess, a lot
2: of pop music.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, did, did, Well, you see, there's there's a load of weird alternative punk stuff which came out in this year, which which I did rather love, uh, which I, I doubt very much you would have heard of. But um, stuff like Bad Religion, heard of them? I've heard of Bad Religion. i got, I got some friends who kind of
2: move in those, in those ponds. So, yeah, I've heard of okay. Bad Religion and I've heard, of, I heard of, uh, a... A song or two.
0: Okay, no, no, Look, love them. I mean, the lead the lead singer is a professor at uh, the University of California, so uh, it's um, you know. Scientific theory, politics and atheism uh, set to a punk rock beat, so uh, I do love them. Bad Religion did uh, The Descent of Man, I can't believe that was ten years ago. Uh, Also, um, Jack White out of The White Stripes formed The Dead Weather, which was a bit of a supergroup. They did Sea of Cowards, which um, I I thought was fantastic, but I I always wanted Jack White just to stay in The White Stripes forever, really. I'm, not I'm kind out. of the same I, I yeah i really um i really enjoy the white stripes but uh, it's the problem with these these fucking
1: artists man they, they have to uh, go out and be artists and do other do other fun things which is yeah uh, deeply frustrating when you just want them to make me feel the way i felt the last time you did a thing
0: yeah yeah i know and it, it was alison mossart um who's also in is she in the kills can't remember uh Dean Fatiala and Jack Lawrence. Um, basically, they were they were just uh, got together and, and and made an album. It is, it is a great album, but it's one of those. Oh, hang on. And then he formed the Raconteurs, and I, then I get confused between the Dead Weather and the Raconteurs, But um, you know. And and then, then I bought his, his solo album, which sounded like Jack White. But yeah, I do love everything he did. Um, I think in this year I um I started working in uh, a radio uh station which i was running in, in manchester where I, I lasted for three years at that place which you know i was having a lot of fun doing that uh so it's was, it was a good time then i think um hot chip uh, they were a bit of a um bit of a one hit wonder band really but I, I really for some reason i've got a lot of memories of, of playing them and, and i saw them play it in in salford in uh, sort of outside the bbc in, in a uh, Sort of an outdoor festively little thing, so that that was quite nice.
1: I remember them being. I remember being having a lot of cachet, and there was a lot of talk about shit at the time, wasn't there?
0: Yeah, um, I mean, they, they basically had the, had the one one big hit. Uh, had, uh, what was it? Uh, um, coming on strong. But they, they um, yeah they they got an album out uh, which, which was called um, what was it? life sound I think uh, my, my, no so one life stand that one came out uh, so they they were they were quite big and also um, gorillas had plastic beach. Which, uh, yeah, that was that was a a that was a happening. That
2: that that album really seemed. It's like the um, sometimes
1: an, enough time goes on between albums for everyone to catch up. Literally, everyone to catch up to how good the last album was. Yeah. So when the next album comes out, everyone's on it straight away. And I think Plastic Beach is, is very much that of the Gorillaz uh, track. You know
0: what I mean? Yeah. well Actually, it's a, it, I can just. Um, without my glasses on, I can just see it on the shelf over there, I had bought it. Uh, it, and it actually had um, God, it had um, Mick Jones, formerly of The Clash, Mark E. Smith, uh, Paul Simonon, formerly of The Clash, um, also Bobby Womack, he was on there, Snoop Dogg, so, <laughs> all sorts of people, and uh, yeah, it, it's, um, I, I don't think anybody's ever done anything sort of similar to that, you know, you've got this cast of thousands, and uh, these um, cartoon people played it or did they or who are they you know so yeah plastic beach gorillas i think um, fine album from the year i uh, it might be controversial to say this now but can west album of that year um was, was really really good i'm just sorry i'm trying to think of the name of it now. it was something it's
1: something it's something twisted fantasy um that was a that was a big big album i was still the the the, the Blue wasn't off the roads with me in Kanye in twenty ten, and I, I really enjoyed that album. Um, and the um, the Black Keys it was the first time I'd heard the Black Keys, and I, I thought they had an album out that year that was um, really really good, and it made me a bit of a bit of a fan for about five years then.
0: So. Oh yeah, I mean, but the, I, I thought the Black Keys picked up from the White Stripes almost, if you know what I
1: mean. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, they did have a very similar. Um, I don't know about style, but
0: they did—they did, they did seem to walk in the same uh, footprints. You know, you know, we're doing this bluesy rock thing with no bass player. Yeah, and, uh, I think it's my beautiful and dark twisted fantasy was the Kanye West one.
1: That might
0: be it. That yeah. might be it. He um, somewhat tarnished his reputation <laughs> with his older Glastonbury performance, did he not? A couple of years ago, was was that Kanye West?
1: Well, the knives were out before it happened because. Unfortunately, old
2: white people who like rock music don't seem to be very happy when black people get to play
1: Glastonbury. Mm. And especially what the black people are doing is rap music. They find that deeply offensive. Yeah. So I don't know if he could have won them over. It, it, and if you're going to win the uh, Glastonbury, those kind of complaining people over, it's not going to be with the kind of um, showy show that Kanye wants to do. Like you have to win them over by kind of I don't know wearing a t-shirt and jeans and doing a very stripped back um, guitar and vocals kind of hip hop performance, which is not something he's ever going to
0: do. Yeah. Not like that anyway. Yeah, I, well, I saw his performance on the telly and kind of cringed when it ground to a halt and he started again. I thought I thought he could have made it if he'd have got actually got a bit of a super group together or something like that. You know, just got. A... He's
1: his own. I think he's his own worst enemy.
0: Yeah. They've got a funky, you know, all star super group together, you could have rocked it, but you know, tried something, fell, fell on his face. But you know, you got to try something, I guess. And uh, uh, big shout out of this year
1: for me was the, the Roots album out called How I Got Over, which um, I really made me again, made me into a big fan of theirs. And I'd always been kind of kind of in a of them because I had some older friends that were really digging into the roots. Um, a friend of mine who had more came up credentials than i did and uh, i had like things along the way sometimes it's about being able to get on board with an album when it comes out because that makes sense you don't feel yeah. like you're playing catch-up somehow
0: yeah well that's that's basically what music fans are you know we've got to be into the latest thing got to be yeah you know i was there before you were there i saw the beatles at the cavern you know, I saw the Sex Pistols at the Hundred Club, and you know, you think, no, you didn't. But, but that, that's that's what many people into music are, want to be there when the next big thing happens. I, I think, we are, and sort of to claim that as their own album, their own artist, or what they were into, you know. Like, okay. Yeah, I think it is very much a thing that
1: uh, music fans still want to
0: do, In the way that movie fans and book fans aren't quite the same, are they? Yeah, I think they're a bit more sh- uh, sherry, if you know what I mean. If you're, if you're, a, yeah, and, and they they like, but this they, they like to have their own little circle as well, and you have to have the knowledge to be in the circle of people as well. If you if you're a big movie fan, you can't you know make a mistake or anything like that. You might get ridiculed somewhat.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think that is very much. Uh... Is a, I mean, I don't want to say bandwagon gets thrown around quite a lot, but um, it, there is an aspect of bandwagoning with with music, isn't there? And there's
0: a lot of, of, of gatekeeping. There's a lot of, can you really be a fan? Yeah. yeah, you know, have you got all the t-shirts, all the albums, all this sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, and the, yeah. And so, some good albums. The other one was that uh, Johnny Cash, um, posthumously, had American Six released. I thought, you know, I I did American like American
1: recordings. American recordings, six.
0: Yeah, I did like his comeback albums, but you know, once the guy's gone, it's kind of like, mm, you know, is is it getting a bit grave robby now? Because
1: I, I yeah, uh, I, they don't they don't, they don't feel like albums anymore to me. They feel they doesn't feel like albums. The guy's not in the studio doing it. It doesn't feel like an album really. If they're not choosing what's gonna yeah. what's gonna be on it and. Yeah, it doesn't really, Yeah, uh...
0: I, I do remember when when he was sort of put in, into Glastonbury as kind of the godfather of grunge and a lot of people kind of didn't buy it. And then once he started bringing out all these albums with Rick Rubin, suddenly people were like, oh, he's, he's covering some cool tunes, you know. And I did buy a few of those albums and I think there's some great versions on and there's some other ones which don't really work, you know. They're, they're not by all means all fantastic, but the great bits are great and there's a few moments like um, I think he he did a, did a version of um, We'll Meet Again or something like that and I thought, no, no that's not really fitting your voice, that one. I think he, he just had a gravitas which meant that if he grabbed hold of something and could make it a Johnny Cash song, it was amazing. But there was other stuff yeah. which was outside of his range and it was like, nah, he shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. I remember he did a version of a Rusty Cage by Soundgarden. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, it didn't that
1: wasn't work, and I thought it was a great. I mean, that, that is a great, <laughs> it's a great song, but it, it, it just didn't really work. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a special. I think mean, there's something quite special about. Well, it, we might look back on it as a special I mean, This is the year of kind of the last Taylor Swift doing country. Really, this is the end of it. All oh, right. Um, she puts out um, her, her, her last kind of. Yeah, when the last time that she was thought of as a country artist is, is this year, um, and then beyond that she's not doing... She's pop. Um, she's Yeah, it's, it's just a couple of years later and then she brings out a, a, a big album, with a big tough one. And she, she's doing kind of dance tracks and pop tracks and collaborating with pop, you know, the, the hippest pop artists. So this is kind of the last... The last
0: uh, piece of the puzzle before her uh, global dominance, I guess, in, in yeah. a couple of years' time. Okay, um, and the final one is um, th- this. Always makes me laugh. The uh, Stat Quo released <laughs> released an album. I just feel that somebody should ring up Stat Quo and say, "Have you ever heard of Status Quo?" <laughs> oh, I thought I thought that
1: was a cool nickname for them. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a band called Stat Quo. It's a rapper.
0: They should
1: get the Pretenders to the throne. Uh,
0: let's, <laughs> let's storm the house and
1: burn them out. Okay.
0: An right. And and um, just, just to round up there, uh, Rob, uh, dead in this year, dead in 2010, um, Leslie Nielsen.
1: Ah, oh, really?
0: Yep. Ah, oh, man.
3: I, I, I... A Panamanian ship. Frank, when Nordberg said I love you, he was telling you the name of the ship. I realise that. Now. <laughs> You want to take a dinghy? No, no, I took care of that at the press conference. Lieutenant, feeling is mutual. Uh, Cuban? Uh, No, Dutch Irish. My father was from Wales. Oh, so they were able to get him to the hospital in time? Yes, he's in the intensive care ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. Her hair was the color of gold in old paintings. She had a full set of curves the kind of legs you'd like to suck on for a day. She was giving me a look I could feel in my hip pocket. Nice beaver. Thank you. I just had it stuffed. Let me help you with that. I've heard police work is dangerous. It is. That's why I carry a big gun. Aren't you afraid it might go off accidentally? I used to have that problem. What did you do about it? Uh, just think about baseball. I think I, I, I saw my dad, uh, was, was a, a big obviously had a big
1: hand in raising me, but he would always, like, like I said, with the comics when I was uh, a little kid, when I was getting a bit older, he would have me watch things he liked as a child, including um, Police Squad. They must have been repeating it on some, I think, on BBC Two. To kind of cash in on how successful the naked gun movies were. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I remember, I remember I must have had a VHS copy of one of the naked gun movies and watched it again and again and again. And I got to see the police squad on repeat and
2: really, really loved him. But he was. He was
0: just a naturally funny person. Yeah. Uh, well, I I actually showed my dad the police squad things, and he just like found them hilarious because it it, it was just basically parodying everything he watched as in the '60s. You know, all the cop dramas. Yeah. Just the, just the bits where they they walk down the corridor and sort of walk through the door, but the door's not there, and the two guys are shooting at each other from behind the dustbins, which turn out to be you know two feet away from each other. Just
1: Absolutely brilliant. Yeah.
0: Just, okay, so also dead in this year, Peter Graves. Who's
1: Peter, who's Peter Graves? Don't Peter,
0: Peter Graves from Mission Impossible. He was the grey-haired man uh, He was also... Right, yeah, do you yeah. remember Airplane?
3: No sir, I've never been up in a plane. Joey, we have something here for our special visitors. Would you like to have it?
0: Thank you. Thanks a lot.
1: Sure.
3: You ever been in a cockpit before? No sir, I've never been up in a plane before. You ever seen a grown man naked? Do you want me to check the weather, Clarence? No, why don't you take care of it, Joey? You ever hang around the gymnasium, Joey? You like
1: movies about gladiators, Joey? Have you ever been in a in a Turkish prison? Yes, now 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 it's coming back.
2: Yeah, he he
0: was the he was the captain in airplane who (laughs) said the. Have you ever seen a gladiator movie? What a line! <laughs> and uh, also, uh, you know what we're going to have to do? Blow rock. <laughs> and uh, Gosh, so, 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 both.
1: I mean, you're talking Zucker, Zucker, Abraham. You're talking
0: the stars of two of their yep. their biggest
1: features died in the same year. That's
0: yeah. awful. Uh, I, I mean, both of them absolutely wonderful. Just deadpan comedy, but as yeah. well could do drama. And uh, yeah. you know, the, the the thing is, when you look back at Leslie Nielsen doing drama, you want to laugh. <laughs> he,
1: he just had that air of it about me. Yeah. yeah, I was concerned about Lenny Henry when he's got to drama. Yeah. I thought surely I'm just going to want to laugh at Lenny. Yeah.
0: But, yeah. Okay. Also dead in this year, uh, Gary Coleman. Different strokes.
1: Never, never, I ever really saw any of that growing up. Um, I'm obviously was in that kind of spot of being too young for it when it was first knocking around and I don't I don't recall there ever being any repeats that that I that went on when I was when I was any age yeah. really you know so I never really, I only know Gary Cole through pop culture references in, in other sitcoms and movies and things
0: yeah. but the thing was it was this bizarre thing that just suddenly turned up on British TV in, in which you've got uh, a white dad two black kids, one of whom was tall, one of whom you couldn't work out whether he was a kid or a dwarf. Sorry, yeah. if that's if that's offensive. No, no, whi- no, that's a correct. A little person, or dwarf, and, and a white girl. And it turned out that um, after different strokes, um, uh, all of the kids in different strokes w- went completely off the rails. And uh, I think Gary Coleman ended up doing some, you know, god awful sort of uh, not a singing waiter or, or something, something as bad as that. You know, uh, anything for money. And um, Todd, the other one had uh, different strokes. He got, he got well into drugs. Uh, so, uh, well, what
1: else are you going to do with money in the eighties?
0: Well, quite. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where people go, look at Macaulay Culkin. He was a child star who had everything. Then he took drugs, and I'm like, mm, I'd be dead two years after. <laughs> yeah, you know,
1: raise on the platform we gave them, and, and then, you know, what do we expect?
0: Yeah, they, they got into drinking drugs who wouldn't uh, also dead in this year uh, Tony Curtis do you remember anything of Tony Curtis
1: yeah he, he's a figure that stands out massively to me because of a couple of movies that um, I don't know how or why I ever got into them at a young age but I kind of did um, I, I I really uh, Obviously it was a big, not obviously, but I was somehow, despite the fact it was black and white and I, even before I hit my fingers, I started to really love um, movies when I started to become a teenager, even before that I'd, I'd seen some like It Hot and it was knock about funny from the very, very start. Yeah, And I don't think I'd ever seen or
2: connected with a black and white film um, at that point at all until that one. Um, and then of course
1: I found out it was hard to tell because of the black and white and the age bit, but it was the guy persuaders and I and love the persuaders. Um, it was just that kind of I, I craved punchy fighty shitty action as a child I desperately desperately wanted it and you know luckily they, they kind of stopped picking it but there was all this stuff from from the uh, from the older days that, that I could catch on repeating. Ah on Weird Times at Channel 4. Um, so, yeah, and I, I was—I really remember the first time I found out that was the same guy who played <laughs> the, one of the women in like <laughs> Heart.
0: Yeah, which is a great film, and, of course, there's the Vikings with him and Kirk Douglas.
1: Yeah, I, I also have a very soft spot for... Um, um, uh,
2: there's a... there's a um, this, this is bugging
1: me now. There's a Audrey Hepburn movie... Um, Paris when it sizzles. That's the name of the movie. I love that, and, and, and
0: he's it's, it's, uh, a lot of fun. So that's that's Audrey Hepburn and Tony Curtis.
1: Yeah, uh, well, Tony will take it as a
0: as a, a little. Uh, Paris when it sizzles. Yes. Paris when it sizzles. Yeah. I mean, it's,
1: it's, he's not the he's not the lead in it. That's the interesting thing. Paris when it sizzles is about a guy, uh, William Holden, is writing um, a screenplay. And Audrey Hepburn is his um, secretary, like, taking notes. And he's told his, you know, that the people who are paying him that he's finished it and he hasn't, and he has to finish it in a day. And as he's telling her the story, you see the movie he's writing play out. That, that makes sense. Uh, ah, yeah, 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 And kind of
2: how cowards in it. And yeah.
1: Sonny Curtis plays the
0: Dash and Reed actor mm. of uh, the, the movie strike right? Apparently Marlena Dietrich uh, plays herself and steps out uh, of the uh, White Bentley. So there you go. Watch and learn. <laughs> Great movie. I really, really recommend it. OK, so uh, Tony Curtis died this year. And also, um, tragically but inevitably, uh, Alex Hurricane Higgins died. I don't know if you... Ah, oh, really? If you're ever yeah. a Snooker fan...
1: Hi-hi. <laughs> I, um, I, I, it was, uh, a snooker was kind of always on when I was a kid. It seems like it was always on. And that might be because to a child, the length of those games and the lack of movement makes each, each game feel like it's uh, a million years or long. And I, I kind of do remember him, and, and it, was only, it was only very recently after seeing some of the documentaries about him in the last, you know, what, five or five, six years. And I, uh, I really felt, that, you know, I tend to learn about him and know about him and feel a connection to him.
0: Yeah, if you, I mean, if you, if you ever wanted, back to the start of, of, a, of a sporting movie of somebody, you know, rags to riches to rags to self-destruction, you're talking Alex Higgins. I mean, you know, we've all, we've all seen the movie, but I, I used to, well, I still do drink quite a lot in South Manchester, and he, he uh, after he'd lost all his money, he used to have a mansion in Cheshire, he started hanging around the boozers of South Manchester, and he was a bit of a tragic figure. Uh, but, you know, he obviously was ill, and he would walk into a pub and sit down, study the racing form, knowing full well that everybody in the pub was looking at him, but, he, you know, he wouldn't speak to anybody. And you saw him hanging around with some real hooligans and some real, you know, characters who were a bit unsavoury, uh, and just sort of uh, a, a guy who, you know, self-destructed, but he, he, he was a guy who couldn't win a snooker match without the drama, you know. He, he had he had to have the drama, and uh, you know, it was in the eighties. It was always he was a people's man, and then bloody boring? Steve Davis always won the world title, you know. Yeah. Because he he potted the balls that he could pot, and then he went safe whereas He Hurricane Higgins in death or glory, you know. Hey, that's the way it was. Great, a great, uh, a great thing for television, mate. I mean, really, purpose built to be a, oh. a TV, TV star. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when the, the, the other snooker players of the day were sort of, you know, in the days when a 30-year-old guy looked like he was 60, and, and, yeah. and uh, he, he just turned up looking like one of the Beatles, <laughs> so, uh, and, and he played at 100 miles an hour, and the game suddenly sort of looked interesting. So there you go. So, um, well, to sum it up, twen- what, what do you think, Rob? 2010, good year, bad year, strange
2: year?
1: I I really want to pull out about this year is that this is the first time that I believe a
2: a language crime is committed by most of the world. Uh We go,
1: well not me, but a lot of people go from saying 2009, the correct way of saying something, and that half the world starts to say 2010 instead of 2010 and uh-huh. uh, I find that deeply annoying and it's carried on ever since it's very American it's very you know Atlantic kind of way of pronouncing the year and I said it um, mm-hmm. and it, 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 I find it
0: deeply great Twenty 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 eleven. 2020
4: 2011 oh yeah but this, this is the
0: first time that happened and we, and we didn't know what what whether to say we were in the, in the in the tens or in the teenies and we kind of lost that whole decade thing of you know, describing a decade
1: yeah, but I think
0: the 10s the was is easier than the noughts. The noughties, the double noughts, the double oughts, that's all. That was, yeah, that was h- harder. Because we just come to the end of the 10s now, I take it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you get that whole thing of has the decade ended, or is it? Uh, So yeah, so so language-wise in terms of describing it, I I got it wrong, Uh, what what do you think, was it it good, bad or indifferent? Well I think pop culture-wise it was a tremendous
1: year, lots lots of really great movies, Um, even I discovered some good albums that I remember, and I'm not the most uh, on the board with music these days. So, uh, yeah, I think it was, uh, and, and, you know, we still had, we still had, we had some positivity in in politics, even though it was the the end of uh, Labour rule, Um, you know, I think we still had some some positivity going around, some calm and some peace, so,
2: yeah.